Hello, everyone. It's Friday, July the 3rd. Happy 4th of July weekend. Thanks for joining us, Brent and I, sharing some thoughts from this week. So, Brent, the big piece of USDA news was the acreage report, 5 million fewer acres of corn than what we thought back in March. Soybeans were mostly unchanged, so the market's had their first significant uh, good week, I guess, in a long time. So uh, you had some thoughts on the acres report, and then I'll talk about the scores a little bit here after that. Well, yeah, the the acreage report was is very interesting. You know, we had really caught, I think, a lot of people off guard. A uh, couple things: one, corn acres shrank a lot, and the bean acres didn't increase a lot, which that didn't necessarily surprise me because I've been reading what you were writing and saying, look, you know, we just don't see a lot of evidence that. There's a, a lot of switching that goes on after the planning intentions report amongst corn and soybeans, if, if I remember what you wrote, wrote correctly. Yeah. yeah. So that didn't surprise me very much. It surprised me a little bit that the total was down, but I guess didn't surprise me as much as say, you know, there's a lot of people out there now that are like, well, where'd all the acres go? And I mean, I think it's important to step back and realize what's going on here. I mean, we're, we're, they're estimating this thing with survey data, okay? So it's not an exact science. I don't think it's so much, you know, it's not like they're missing acres somewhere. It's uh, things happen, right? Maybe people idled land for wheat for next year. Maybe some of it went into other crops like, forages and hay and grassland and other things so you know i just think don't get too shook up about wondering where all the acres went that's the number we're going to work with is what they reported and i think that's it's the best information that's out there so don't fight it in the sense that well you know they're going to find all these acres in the future i don't think that's likely i think uh this is the number we're going to go with for a while you know, the thing that comes to my mind is we wrote about this a lot in the past. Prevent plant is a year in, year out phenomenon. And there's always a base level prevent plant the USDA has that gets built into their model assumptions. And we don't know what that is, but it's hard for us to think about what prevent plant situation is in 2020, given that we're coming off record highs of 2019, right? So are we above that long-term average? Are we below that long-term average? I think that had a part to do with it. But again, let's not get too stuck into the weeds about this. This is the number. There could right. be some small adjustments, but don't expect a complete remeasure here at, at any point. It's good news. Let's take it. <laughs> let's see how it yeah. um, moves through. Kind of changed the structure of the balance sheet a little bit, made it a little more positive, but not, again, not wildly positive, right, David? Unless, unless it does get expansion of drought from the areas currently in drought you know it starts getting to be a bigger concern and you know this weekend has traditionally been a one where things it either rains or doesn't rain and and you get big adjustments so we'll, we'll just have to see so we're going to take a look next week we'll look at those probability outcomes those distributions of ending stocks the soybean story right didn't change very much but the corn we got that to shift a little bit to the left and so I don't think it changes the situation that much. It's still a burdensome situation, but it starts to pull in some of those extreme events. It takes the extreme to the upside down and takes the extreme to the, I guess, clarify this. We're talking about ending stocks, right? I was talking, right. So let's talk about ending stocks. So it takes some of the risk off the table for a burdensome ending stock situation. We move that back a little bit and it also 
pulls into play some of these tight ending stock situations. Right. And so we're going to take a look at that. Uh, we'll, we'll zoom in just a little bit on that and have a, a discussion around that. So let's talk about the scores. We had three questions. We actually had these questions open since October last year for the diehards following along like Brent and I. We got the scores calculated. You should dive in there, take a look at that. My scores were, were very disappointing. Brent, you beat me. I did a little better on the soybean question than you did, but if you averaged those across, you did really well. But it's important to keep in mind that that percentile rank tells you how well you did relative to all the other users. It's like a, a standing poll. Instead of first, second, third, we put the 100th percentile, which should be the best forecast, the 99th percentile, which means your forecast is better than almost everyone else in the competition. My corn forecast was about 23%. And so I had a 30% chance of acres coming in above or below 97 million. I had the right direction, but I wasn't as confident as everyone else. And this is what makes the forecast network fun is we could all say, yeah, acres are likely to come in below 97 million, right? Everybody on Twitter and every coffee shop in the country can sit back and say, yeah, we knew this was going to happen, right? But you have to put your forecast down and you have to put some sort of confidence down there. I did, and I wasn't as confident as maybe I should have. This round definitely goes to Brent. Brent even beat me on the wheat acres, and he says he never follows wheat. I think that's his – I think he's uh, I think he's uh, secretly following these wheat acres really closely and trying to mislead me. I introduced a new character and a new forecaster in the report that I wrote up. You should check that out. It's the uh, coin flipping chimpanzee. This is just assuming if, if you just guess 50% probability on any given forecast, what, what was your outcome? It could be a way of benchmarking yourself. I feel a lot better. My forecast was around the 23rd percentile. The coin flipping chimpanzee would have got a score about 8%. So he had a really poor score. So this tells us the value of the forecast network. It's not a coin flip. It is coin flip would have just got you in the 8%. So there was some insight that everyone collectively had that sort of moved us right. to the right direction. Yeah, I think, you know, go back and just look and reflect a little bit on, you know, how your views to that changed over time can be useful. Think about what information you were using as you were changing it. It could be helpful too, because I think too often we kind of get caught up in whatever the heat of the moment information is, and sometimes we overweight it and take our eye off the ball a little bit. That's a good point. So let's talk a little bit about ethanol. We got a great story got posted this week about the ethanol situation. It's a revisit of the previous interviewees that Sarah talked to. This time looking at 2021, so the EPA has got to set those inclusion rates. So how much ethanol should they be including as they think about how much gasoline they're selling? I won't share all the details. There's a lot of information that you should take a look at it. But the important takeaway here is that the ethanol challenges we've had in 2020 is because they're still blending ethanol like they should per the mandate. We're just using less gasoline. So as a connection, we're using less ethanol. But for 2021, they got to tell the refineries how much they should be, how much ethanol they should be using relative to every gallon gasoline that they're using. And that's going to take a lot of creative forecasting. So we have no idea where gasoline consumption is going to be. The EPA has got to make some inclusion rates given their congressional targets. So the ethanol headaches and the ethanol challenges could linger into 2021. Yeah, I think this is a great example too. Um, if you want to get into kind of second level analysis of ethanol and just get beyond the kind of real simple stuff, 
read that because there's a lot of good information about how how it actually works you know if you really want to know about it i would say you know read that kind of stuff get yourself immersed in it a little bit really try and get a deeper understanding which is what we're trying to do with a lot of our stuff right yeah that's the goal we'll set up some of the big uncertainties to help you navigate that and think about it for you know create cultivate your thinking right so we're going to share some things that we don't know the answers to right now and outlay some of the the issues to consider one last point check out dr jeff young's yield forecasts he's using those crop conditions to help you see on twitter everyone's sharing their proprietary model of forecasts well jeff put together three or four you can dive into some of the details corn conditions keep improving so those those reported conditions on the weekly basis so those yield forecasts have been slowly ticking up the interesting one not to get into the details too much a lot of chatter on Twitter about the Eastern Corn Belt being dry, Indiana, Ohio, but that's where some of the condition ratings and the condition-based yield forecasts are looking the strongest. So we'll see how that plays out as Brent and I watch the weather and, and things play out. So the last one I have to share, Brent, and then you can jump in, is in the newsletter we shared a couple links about locusts. A lot of talk about locusts in South America and what they are. I grew up in Kansas. I know the challenges of grasshoppers, and we have to spray for grasshoppers sometimes in the summer. So I was wondering what's a grasshopper, what's a locust, and what makes them a biblical plague. And you should take a look learned a lot some grasshoppers can become locusts but not all locusts or not all grasshoppers can become locusts and what actually causes them to go in this group feeding frenzy and migrating thousands of miles it's pretty scary probably one of those things that we could make you know if shark tornadoes turned into a, a movie that people want to watch locusts could also become the next pandemic that hollywood <laughs> talks about as well so wild I look forward to seeing that. I haven't. I, I always kind of wondered that too. Why? Interesting. All right. Well, that's all we have for this week. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week. Enjoy your Fourth of July weekend. Hope you have a good weather and good time with family and friends. Thanks. Bye.